The views and opinions of this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading. Bringing you the ag information you need, this is Market Talk, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. Well, we saw the market trade on Wednesday. More mixed action with wheat and corn leading to the upside. Welcome to Market Talk. Thanks for joining us here today on the program. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. we got a lot to get to on the show today. We're going to talk with Mike Zuzalo from Global Commodity Analytics coming up here in just a little bit. I know he is traveling today, but we are planning to connect with him on the phone for today's program and get his thoughts of what we're seeing here midweek market action as again uh, cord wheat uh, the leaders to the upside in wednesday's trade soybeans kind of quiet mixed around unchanged choppy action seen there livestock trade uh, trading its way higher as well stocks and energies relatively quiet and just kind of feels like we're in a bit of a malaise here post-holiday right now. But going to get some thoughts from Mike as to what he is seeing in the trade. Coming up here uh, starting in segment two today. Also, we'll take a look at some news headlines, more thoughts on the farm bill, and also some program deadlines approaching. We're going to talk a little bit about that uh, and much more. Also has some coverage of the American Farm Bureau Federation uh, convention wrapping up in Salt Lake City, Utah. So uh, a lot to get to in news headlines coming up here later on in the program. But yeah, it was kind of a mixed day in the grain and oilseed trade and livestock as well. Dollar index up about 42 points, uh, maybe creating, uh, or excuse me, the dollar index down about 42 points. You would think that would create a little bit of a tailwind for the grains. Maybe so in wheat, uh, led by Chicago wheat on Wednesday, but Overall, things uh, just felt relatively quiet with, again, soybeans, uh, some of the morning gains kind of getting dragged lower, a little bit of pressure on soybean oil after the release of the um, EIA stocks, the Energy Information Administration stocks out on Wednesday. Uh, but overall, just kind of quiet markets, things really feel a little lackadaisical. I know uh, in the overnight we had a little bit of sympathy from some dry weather, the forecast for Argentina, but I don't think that's completely uh, the reasoning here. It's going to be interesting to uh, get thoughts from Mike Zuzalo coming up. I'm trying to make uh, sense of some of these market moves or lack thereof here midweek. We get a little bit of commentary first with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at StoneX, talking to Arlen around midday on Wednesday. We get his thoughts uh, on the EIA numbers, also the livestock trade, which had a, a fairly good day on Wednesday. And we start our conversation with Arlen's thoughts on the grain and oilseed trade midweek. Here is that midday commentary with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at StoneX. Well, we're generally seeing support across the commodity complex, and we have to put this in the context of Friday's Commitment of Traders report showing that the funds had really built uh, tremendously large short positions across the grain and oilseed complex. They've been shorting much of the commodity complex. We come into today, China has put some significant stimulus in to their economy. Uh, we're seeing some decent earnings reports. Uh, Treasury yields moving lower causing the dollar to also turn notably lower today, creating some tailwinds for the commodities. And the grain and oilseed sector specifically, as low as prices had gotten, as oversold as they were, and as massive of short positions or sold positions that the speculative funds had built, 
traders started getting nervous. They started covering some of those short positions. The end users start saying, hey, my upside risk may be greater than my downside risk considering these conditions starting to come in a price. Nothing's really changed fundamentally for these grain and oil seed markets other than the fact that we got so cheap and the funds are so short and we had a little bit of change in the tone on Wall Street that they started buying and that's giving us upward momentum today. Arlen over in the livestock trade, mostly green on the screen there. What are you seeing in cattle and hogs today? Uh, well, they're part of the same feeding of the, the positive momentum in the commodities today and the cheaper dollar. But we're also continuing to see good strength from the tightness of meat supplies, and particularly when you look at how much we've tightened up the, the supply of choice cuts on the market. And we've taken choice cuts back above $300 a hundred weight. Uh, with the tightness, with uh, the weather taking weight off of animals, some of the feedlots reporting up to 100-plus pounds coming off of each animal during the cold weather outbreak that we had with the snow and the cold. Now they have to gain that back. Our slaughter rates really dropped off dramatically because of that, because of transportation problems and because of packing schedules that were altered. The weather's improved but we're still paying the price of those tighter supplies, and that's helping support the board as we try to get things evened out once again. Arlen, I know, too, on the energy side, we had the EIA report out this week, the ethanol numbers. Anything of note that you saw there today? Well, I think the significant thing is, again, it's the weather. And when we look specifically at uh, ethanol production, that cold weather really hurts the output of ethanol uh, as those microbes try to work. And we had the lowest a production estimate of 818,000 barrels per day during the week ending January 19th, the lowest since the big Arctic outbreak of February of 2021, down from 1.054 million barrels per day the previous week. So that really dropped our production. Ethanol stocks, though, ticked a bit higher because people were also driving less with all the winter weather and the blending dropped as well. We anticipate that it'll probably take another couple of weeks to get back up to our normal ethanol production numbers as a result. And once again, comments there with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at Stone X, joined us for our midday commentary on the day Wednesday. I, I talked about this a little bit on uh, yesterday's program when we were uh, talking markets with Brian Split. The uh, Farm Futures January planting survey released earlier this week, and it shows quarter soybean acreage will shift across the U.S. this spring. Jackie Holland, grain market analyst for Farm Futures, says the shift might not be as much as what market prices are for. For corn acres, our survey respondents indicated that they will be planting 92.8 million acres of corn this spring. That is down by about 1.8 million acres from what was planted almost a year ago. She talks about potential soybean acres in 2024. Soybean acreage will be up by about 1.4 million acres to 85.0 million acres. I think a lot of farmers are looking at prices right now, looking at these relatively strong soybean prices and thinking that the market is trying to buy more and more soybean acres. This kind of one-to-one corn to soybean acreage shift tells us that that's really not what's happening this year. It's a smaller shift. It's pretty much a one-to-one shift. And it's maybe not going to be the big soybean boom quite yet that I think the markets are calling for. Farmers planted more winter wheat acres in late 2023 for harvest this year.
USDA's 2024 winter wheat seedlings report that they published a couple weeks ago, they found a lot fewer acres planted of winter wheat than what our farmers indicated. Our farmers indicated that they were going to plant 37.3 million acres of winter wheat or that they already have planted that winter wheat. And that's actually about a one and a half percent increase from what was planted last And she talks about some other results from the planting intention survey, including the potential of spring wheat acres being down quite substantially. Spring wheat acres are going to be down significantly, down about 2 million acres to 9.1 million acres. Durham wheat is expected to be unchanged at 1.7 million acres. For total wheat acres, that is going to be 48.0 million acres planted this year, which is down about 1.6 million acres from what was planted last year. And again, Jackie Holland with Farm Futures. We'll be back with more on Market Talk right after this. If you miss an episode of Market Talk, you can listen back to the show anytime. Just search for Market Talk on your podcast platform of choice, and you can hear past episodes of the program on demand. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button, or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. Market information that matters to you on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to Market Talk here today. We are working to connect with Mike Zuzalo from Global Commodity Analytics. He's going to join us coming up here in segment three instead of uh, right now in segment two after the bottom of the hour here on Market Talk today as uh, he's traveling. He's going to be at a better sell spot, it sounds like, here in just a minute. So we're going to catch up with him here in segment three. Right now, though, I want to play uh, a recent interview that I had with Jana Davidson from the Progressive Agriculture Foundation here on Market Talk. And joining us now for a monthly update from the Progressive Agriculture Foundation and Progressive Agriculture Safety Days, we are talking about striving for better health in the new year this month. Joining us, Jana Davidson with the Progressive Agriculture Foundation. Jana, always good to have a conversation with you. Thanks for joining us today. How are you? I'm doing great, Jesse. Thanks so much for the invite. I'm excited to catch up and share some good safety tips here in the new year. Yeah. And, you know, with it being the new year, obviously, that brings about a lot of New Year's resolutions for folks. And a lot of times, uh, better health, losing weight, things like that are are at the top of those New Year's resolution lists, aren't they, Jana? They sure are. And I, I'll i be honest with you, I've been in the same boat in the past where you, you have all the best intentions, but a couple days into that, a couple weeks into it, you seem to fail. And Um, so I, I think the best thing is just talking about ways that we can set ourselves up for success and make just smaller changes in our life that can have big results. Definitely. Well, let's talk about some of those small changes. You recently uh, shared a blog post uh, on the progressive agriculture, uh, website and, and talk about some of the tips that you are sharing with folks that can maybe help uh, with those, uh, better health goals for the new year. Absolutely. So one of the first, I think, is just a simple change that we can start to do in our lives that can have huge results is the intake of water and staying hydrated. Again, 
not trying to just throw myself under the bus, but that's something I've always been, you know, a little guilty of. I know that I should be drinking more water and, you know, sometimes it just, you get busy and, you know, you, you're sometimes reaching for that glass of, uh, or cup of coffee or that sugary drink. And really, um, you should be being safe, be staying hydrated. So, um, if you did get one of those Stanley cups or one of those family, uh, fancy cups here for the holidays, put that to good use and, uh, stay hydrated. So, you know, one thing we can do is, you know, fill that, um, that jug up, you know, whatever you're using with water. There are even some now I see where it kind of gives you what you should be drinking. And then you can know, Hey, within this hour, I need to drink this much. And oh, at the end of the day, you know what you accomplished. Another thing that I, I've been finding to have success with, so here we are a couple weeks into the new year, is adding some fruit into my water. Um, it gives it some flavor. So I've just, for this one, I just bought some frozen fruit, some frozen fruit, put it in the bottom, and then you have flavor all day. I can keep adding water to it and it seems to just last all day. So um, that's one one key way I've I found. And I mean, wa you can add lemon, lime. Um, some people even mm -hmm. like to put mint in their water. So whatever is going to just make you kind of keep grabbing for it, that that is wonderful. So staying sure. hydrated, very important. Um, also smart snacking. So, um, I work from home. So I always like to say when I pass through the kitchen, you're always kind of like on the prowl as to, Oh, what am I going to grab? So <laughs> trying to eliminate purchasing a lot of those sugary, sweet, salty snacks. I know it's hard, but when you go in there, if you replace them with things like granola bars and yogurt and maybe some fruit and veggies, you know, you're going to, you're going to grab those. You're going to grab what's available. So, you know, keeping that in stock. And also, you know, if you have kiddos at home, they're going to go for that as well. So they're going to, they're going to eat what you provide um, in the kitchen for them. So, you know, that's just being, being cautious about that when you're, when you're doing your grocery shopping. Um, another thing is just moving more, you know, that doesn't, I'm not saying go out there and get a gym membership or, you mm -hmm. know, do things like that, but just, maybe on your breaks, if you are able to schedule some breaks um, during your day, take a walk. I know this time of year for all of us, we don't really want to go outside, but there's other avenues. You know, if you, some, I know some people like to walk around the malls or other indoor places. There's even, I think some clubs I, I see started, at least in my area, where folks will walk around the schools in the evening, you know, um, with a group. So again, that's also good with that relationship building too, and, and good for your mental health. But even just little things like taking the stairs over the elevator um, and just little choices like that, again, can, can make a big difference. So like I said, moving, moving more, whether you're at your computer desk, you can do a few exercises or, you know, watching TV, folding the laundry. There's like little things that we can do mm -hmm. to just keep our bodies moving. And then Definitely. the last, okay, yeah, the last thing is just washing our hands. <laughs> this is one thing I think we've all learned to do a better job of, especially since the pandemic. But that is one of our best defenses of spreading uh, sickness, uh, catching illness, um, even even foodborne illnesses too. So again, when you're preparing your meals, um, that's also just just a big big to do is making sure we wash our hands and then you know having also you know in case of emergencies that hand sanitizer um, with you just in case um, because yeah that this past um, fall winter I was seeing a lot of illness. Uh, happening, you know, COVID, COVID, COVID has definitely not gone away. Um, mm -hmm. It even hit our family here over the holidays. And then RSV, RSV has been huge. Um, I, 
I'm going to be honest with you, Jesse. I always thought, you know, RSV was something you hear with with little ones, babies, yeah. you know, and and I've heard so many, you know, adults, um, older adults getting it, uh, uh, individuals our age, you know, uh, so that's that's something, you know, really important. And then your regular flu and common cold, you know, it's just best practices to to keep that at bay. Definitely. A, a lot of things that are, are just, I feel like, smart reminders as we head into uh, a new year, Jana, for sure. I, I want to ask you as well, I know uh, these are things among many other things that you guys talk about with, with children and, and more at Progressive Agriculture Safety Days. Uh, let's give a plug for Safety Days real quick and, and give folks a refresher on, on what you guys do, Jana. Absolutely. So the Progressive Agriculture Safety Day program, we actually are recognized as the largest rural safety and health program for children throughout North America. Uh, we provide uh, one day learning opportunities for children to learn on a variety of topics, both safety and health. So uh, communities can bring a safety day uh, to, to children uh, in their community and they get to customize it. So they select the topics, they decide on what's the most important things that they wanna reach their children with. So um, that's the beauty of it. We help here at the foundation, we help guide those volunteers, help them make those choices so that they have a successful event. And so many of the tips that I shared from washing your hands to moving more to, you know, um, making better choices when it comes to drinks and also snacks are just things that we incorporate into our healthy lifestyles. And one of the, the things that I, I failed to mention that's that's a new topic for us and very important, as you're probably seeing um, in our farming and rural communities, is mental health. So we mm -hmm. do have a new uh, mental well-being and stress management um, chapter that we've, we've introduced a few years back. And so it's been really popular, too, and encouraging kids just about um, how to cope with stress, you know, having, being able to identify those coping strategies, knowing what stress is, how to manage it. And then also just, you know, ways to nurture relationship with nurture relationships with others to really, um, help, help us, um, in our, with our mental well being. A lot of great things to think about. Mm -hmm. And, and Jana, if folks want to learn more about how they can bring a progressive agriculture safety day to their community, how can they find out more information? Yes, they can visit us at our website. It's www.progressiveag.org. Uh, once they're there, we do have a get involved tab. They can click on that and they can easily submit what we call an interest form, letting letting us know that they're interested in learning more and we'll follow up and we'll get them on the right path. So whether they, they want to bring uh, this program to their community or maybe they just want to get involved and volunteer because, you know, volunteering is a great thing to do for our mental health. So um, there's also that option where we can connect them with a safety day already happening. But we have 400, more than 415 applications in so far for 2024. So we're really hoping this is one of our biggest and best years yet. So uh, applications are welcome year round. So we're hoping that maybe some of those listeners are, are interested in bringing one to their community progressiveag.org for more information jana davidson with the progressive agriculture foundation always good to talk with you have a great rest of your week and we will talk to you again soon sounds wonderful jesse thank you
And once again, a recent interview I had with Jana Davidson from the Progressive Agriculture Foundation. You could find her online. Find the Progressive Agriculture Foundation, that is, online at progressiveag.org. That's progressiveag.org. You can learn more about their Progressive Agriculture Safety Day program and much more. Well, again, the markets on the day Wednesday. Kind of a mixed bag. We saw Chicago wheat, KC wheat, corn up moderately, led by double digits uh, gains in Chicago wheat. Soybeans, though, kind of mixed in the session. Cattle and hogs trading a bit higher. We saw the stocks fairly quiet. Crude oil hanging around $75 a barrel. We're going to talk about all that and more. We have him connected with us. We're going to get to a conversation coming up here after the break with Mike Zuzalo from Global Commodity Analytics. He joins us next here on Market Talk. If you miss an episode of Market Talk, you can listen back to the show anytime. Just search for Market Talk on your podcast platform of choice, and you can hear past episodes of the program on demand. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash egg and hit the subscribe button, or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube market information that matters to you on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to Market Talk. Joining us on the program to go over what we're seeing in the market trade midweek. Joining us on the road, on the phone, still happy to connect with Mike Zuzalo from Global Commodity Analytics. And Mike, thanks for uh, taking the time to join us once again here today. I know a uh, busy travel schedule for you. Where are you headed today? Well, we're headed to a corn and bean expo at the University of Nebraska in Lincoln, Jesse. And it's a, it's a big program and it's a very timely program. And I didn't want to miss the opportunity for you and I to chat because of the fact that we are starting to see some movement over in China. And I think that's a pretty big deal we want to keep track of here as we get into the second half of January. I'm glad you brought that up. That's a great place for us to start. I saw that headline this morning, a lot of stimulus by China's government into their economy. Talk about what exactly are we seeing? What's going on? Give us some of the details and what you believe is happening here. What are you seeing right now? Yeah, we've seen now two nights in a row in the overnight markets that China has stepped into the first, the Hong Kong equity exchange and said they were going to help solidify that exchange by essentially backing it by throwing at it about 280 billion U.S. dollars. Um, that was two nights ago. Uh, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, they came back in and said, we didn't do a good enough job. The equity markets are still slipping in Shanghai and in Hong Kong. We're going to go ahead and lower the reserve requirement, what banks in China have to hold and we're going to take that down. We're going to take that to a tune of over $100 billion uh, starting essentially on February 5. And so it says to me that the Chinese government is ready to backstop this marketplace and this equity market in a big, big way at this stage of the game, Jesse. And I think that's a really key piece of the puzzle because if we go back to San Francisco, we've got the U.S.-China trade thaw. We come out of the Taiwanese elections with no serious ramifications in terms of the relationship between the U.S. and China. Now China is moving because they see the problems 
that they have in their own economy. And they're moving in a very dramatic fashion. Wall Street Journal said on Wednesday, many economists and financiers were not expecting this latest move. That's really good news for the commodity bowl, in my opinion, that investment bowl that you and I have been talking about. So I want this to be a type of launch pad for that wheat and crude oil-led rally at this stage of the game. And that obviously entails a strengthening Chinese currency and a weakening U.S. dollar. Well, and to those points as well, uh, the U.S. dollar down a bit on Wednesday. We did see some of the uh, good gains hold in Chicago wheat, KC wheat. I know Chicago was the upside leader up double digits. I think that spilled into corn a little bit. Crude hanging around the $75 barrel mark. Um, the stock's kind of quiet, I, I guess. To the China news, Mike, I'm a little curious that some there wasn't more fire maybe in some of the outside markets, a little more risk on, but maybe is it is it kind of a delayed, you know, launch pad to your point, so to speak, here that we could be seeing? Yes, I, I think that's a really way a really good manner and way to set it up in terms of how I'm viewing it, Jesse. I don't expect it to just blast off because we do have the stocks issues, the levels, the improved weather in South America, the harvesting in Brazil, those things we still have to work through. But when it comes to the, I think a lot of the Asian markets and European markets have been going over to the United States and to India and buying into those markets instead of China. So I would make, it would make sense to me that we would see a rotation out of U.S. equities back into Hong Kong, back into Shanghai. And if we saw that, I think the, the investor would say, okay, China is doing everything it can plus to be able to not have that 1990 style deflation that we're worried about like Japan had. And I think that's really the stair step mindset that I would go with. But I will say this, given what we've seen now this week, it would be a huge disappointment for me to see the corn beans and corn and wheat especially, but even the soybeans finish lower on the week, especially given that corn has been down five weeks in a row. It should not be that tough to get a higher close out of corn, especially. Well, corn uh, hovered around this 450 mark in the front month March contract. Do you look at some of the later contracts, though, here for corn? Uh, July in that 470 range, Dece corn, new crop is in that 480 range. I know these aren't aren't phenomenal looking prices considering where we were a lot of farmers are a little bit upset or disappointed with where we're at but it almost feels like these markets are, are building in the process of building or have found a pretty good base here right now especially maybe this corn market mike what do you think yeah i mean from a standpoint of the managed money funds it should be about the corn because they're net short over two hundred sixty thousand contracts of futures and options in the lowest since June of 2020. I would also say in the near-term corn market, I put out a text blast to clients and subscribers this to today during midday saying, okay, if we can go above 451 and a quarter on a closing basis in that March corn, that takes us above last week's highs. Maybe start looking at getting some basis contracts locked in in anticipation of the futures market trying to rally 25, maybe 35, maybe 40 cents and not let that basis get pulled back because of the futures rally. So I think that's step number one. As far as new crop, Jesse, the, the situation got a lot cloudier with some private trade estimates that came out on Tuesday. 
with putting corn up there and in, in, in what I view as the stratosphere as far as planted acres when it comes to cost of production, corn versus beans, and also the rotation. And so, you know, to have a private trade gas come out that puts you at about a 2.8 billion bushel carryover for this upcoming uh, marketing year, it would make sense to me why the bull spread would be working in the corn. And I would think along with the demand side and the, and the end users being a little bit tight now, on supplies, that bull spread should again be something that we see kick in. I'd be disappointed if it didn't. On the soybean side here, I know we've been uh, doing our best to put in a little bit of a, a rally off the uh, the eleven dollar handles that we were putting on some of these contracts here a few sessions back. Uh, bean oil though, kind of collapsing a little bit on Wednesday. Have to wonder, did we get some EIA data that maybe had an influence there, or was there something else that was maybe weighing on uh, the product market a little bit that kind of kind of pulled on the soy complex as a whole back to around unchanged on Wednesday, Mike? Yeah, I think it was two things primarily, Jesse. One was the EIA distillate and refined fuels numbers. They were just ballooned, and that was on the heels of a big drawdown in crude oil stocks. And so, I, and we just didn't see that follow through in the crude oil market either. The second thing I think is probably more pertinent to the overall market cosmetics is one of the biggest problems we've seen is China, their hog market. And that means their bean demand, that means their meal side of the equation. And the soy meal has been a real tough situation for these uh, oilseed traders in the last, you know, roughly five, six months. So it was nice to see the meal go back to an inverted market with the march over the May contract. Not sure if we settled there on because the, I got out of the office before the settlements, but it's important to watch that because that tends to be the investor class futures is the premium market compared to the next contract. And so I would suspect we probably started to see some oil meal spread unwinding. But I think you bring up a big point. That is something we have to really watch, especially given that maybe meal got a little extra boost as well. And maybe corn did as well from the Argentine dryness that started to be talked about in Chicago. We're talking today with Mike Zuzlo from Global Commodity Analytics. Mike joining us on the road on his way to Lincoln, Nebraska today. And uh, Mike, uh, we look at these markets right now. One other thought that you kind of alluded to this here already. Uh, we have the China issues on one leg of the stool. We still have South American weather. You mentioned the Argentine dryness. But I know the acreage battle in the U.S., I don't think it's too early to start talking about that. We're already seeing some of those estimates out. I know we got some of those estimates from Farm Futures earlier the week, and they're calling for, for instance, spring wheat acres to be down almost 19% year over year. So I have to wonder, things like that, could we potentially see a big fight between corded soybean acres with some of those marginal or fringe acres potentially uh, having an impact on other crops? I guess I think that the acreage battle is something we could already start thinking about maybe in these markets. Would you agree or not? Oh, yeah, without a doubt, especially when you throw on top of that spring wheat acreage number, the winter wheat acreage number that USDA has given us. And, and, and it really does reinforce my attitude and my analysis that it really does that being the major low really does stocks this year in wheat, and it sure doesn't look like it by most accounts, including mine here domestically. I, I think as far as the row crops, Jesse, it's time to talk about it, but I, that's where you know some of these private estimates that are taking corn acres only down one and a half, maybe 2%. I'm just not there based upon my conversations with clients in the primary corn belt. 
Manitoba, um, they're, they're just getting hammered on their cost of production for 24. And not a lot of instance right now is to build soybean acres and that bean corn ratio sticking up above 2.5 here this week um the, a num, number one it puzzles me and number two it really makes me think we're going to keep building soybean acres in the month of february if that base price ends up being so supportive to the new crop soybeans 12 dollar beans and and you know a 400 500 break even per acre um you can make better money on that by most of the university numbers i've looked at compared to 450 corn and the kind of cost of production that's running you know seven maybe even over 800 dollars an acre depending on where you're at in cash runs well we are talking today with mike zuzalo from global commodity analytics mike i want to get some thoughts from you on the livestock trade so hold that thought we're going to keep you on the line here. Again, Mike's traveling today. Glad we could get him on the phone, though. We'll be back with more on Market Talk as we recap Wednesday's market action and talk about what is happening across the grain and livestock market trade. Again, fairly mixed action, quiet action on Wednesday with uh, Chicago wheat seeing some double-digit gains, corn up moderately as well, and livestock trade up moderately, too. We're going to talk more about that. But up next here on Market Talk. If you miss an episode of Market Talk, you can listen back to the show anytime. Just search for Market Talk on your podcast platform of choice, and you can hear past episodes of the program on demand. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button, or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. Bringing you the ag information you need. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to Market Talk here today. Jesse Allen back with you as we are joined today on the phone by Mike Zuzalo with Global Commodity Analytics. He is on his way to a uh, quarter soybean expo in Lincoln, Nebraska. We uh, kept him on the line here. I had a few more things I wanted to ask Mike about here on the show. Again, saw kind of a mixed day on Wednesday with Chicago wheat showing double-digit strength. KC wheat up moderately, spring wheat up to corn up moderately. The soy complex, though, kind of mixed on the session. March cord up five and three quarters, 452 and a quarter. March beans up three quarters, 1240 and a quarter. March Chicago wheat 14 and a quarter higher, 610 and three quarters. March Kansas City wheat eight and a quarter higher, 625 and three quarters. Spring wheat March up five and a half, 704 and a half. Cattle and hog trade up moderately with some triple digit gains in the hog market as well. And we see the outside markets relatively quiet. We're going to run through some more of the closing numbers here in uh, just a minute before we wrap up the show. But let's get back to our conversation market analysis with Mike Zuzalo from Global Commodity Analytics. Mike, uh, let's talk livestock a little bit here, and then we will let you go. Uh, cattle and hog trade a little bit higher on Wednesday. Uh, in the case of uh, this cattle market, cattle on feed numbers out last Friday, pretty much in line. Uh, nothing really surprised me there. So I think the markets have kind of taken those numbers and, and moved on already, potentially. Well, what's your thoughts with how this protein sector has been acting so far this week? 
closely, Jesse, given that the February contract is now running four plus dollars over the mercantile cash index and the cutout while while staying supported, it's not really moving that much to justify this kind of a move fundamentally in the hog complex, if you ask me. And so hogs are a big issue from a standpoint of pressuring the cattle, maybe on the at the end of the week trade. But I got to give cattle their due. The box beef prices have stayed high. And Tuesday was a very big technical day from a standpoint of going back below the 52-week moving average in the fat cattle market and then being able to come back up above it on a closing basis. I'm hopeful that the end of the week trade, if the hogs don't get in the way, the cattle can try and stretch their legs. But I'd be really on the hunt here in the next week or so to get some quarter two marketings hedged with some ball puts if I get another 3 to $5 rally in those fats. Yeah, and I'm curious too uh, with the China issues, how much you know that could continue to parlay itself maybe into our hog market, or what could that do for demand overall for commodities for meat? Will we have to lean more on the meat side, maybe on domestic demand possibly moving forward, or some of our other key trading partners for exports? I think with to kind of tie back into China thoughts here a little bit more. There's a, a lot of questions I have on the beef and pork side when it comes to demand moving forward. I'm in the exact same camp, and I think that's why that dollar versus the offshore uh, Chinese yuan is so important and pertinent to the livestock trade in 2024 as a whole. Because if we don't cool the dollar down and the Chinese currency weakens and the Brazilian currency weakens, that's just going to stoke our imports and really hamstring our export market. But if we could unwind this recent trade of a real weak currency in the Chinese market, where it's been at a nine, 10 week low against the US dollar until these last two moves by China, that could really stoke our export market and really hem hem in the Asian uh, and and the South American uh, imports in particular. We'll still probably get quite a bit of imports from Canada and Mexico, but it's really Brazil and Australia that I'm most concerned with when it comes to the beef side of the equation. Mike, great thoughts, uh, great stuff. Anything final you want to share or reiterate with folks today before we let you go? I I can't stress and emphasize enough those that have been following you and I on the market talk how important this Chinese stimulus is to awakening the investment demand in the commodities. And so we're really in an important phase of this market. And and this has got to be a situation, I think, Jesse, where the demand side of the equation kind of wakes up. But if it doesn't, I think it'll be a very big missed opportunity. Fantastic. Well, and I know folks could find you online, globalcom with two M's, research.com, globalcomresearch.com. With that, Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics. Mike, always great to talk with you. Really appreciate you uh, taking the time to join us on the phone today while you're traveling. Safe travels to you. We'll talk to you next week. Wouldn't miss it, Jesse. Thanks so much for having me and working with my schedule, sir. Well, and we do appreciate the time. Once again, Mike Zuzalo there with Global Commodity Analytics joining us this week on Market Talk. Find him online once again, globalcomresearch.com. Again, that is globalcom with two M's, research.com. All right, let's take a look at a few of the closing uh, numbers here before we wrap it up on today's show. Let's uh, see how this corn market wrapped up. A decent day there. March cord up five and three quarters, 452 at a quarter. July cord up four and three quarters, 470 at three quarters. 
quarters. New crop December corn, four and three quarters higher, 482 at a quarter. March soybeans, three quarters higher, 1240 at a quarter. July down one and a half, 1252 at three quarters. New crop November beans, one higher at 1208. Soybean meal, March up 220 a ton, 36330. March bean oil down 89 points at 4732. Chicago wheat March 14 and a quarter higher, 610 at three quarters. July up 13 and a half, 626 and a quarter. December Chicago wheat up 11 and a quarter, 650 and three quarters. March Kansas City hard red winter wheat, HRW, eight and a quarter higher, 625 and three quarters. July up nine and a quarter, 629 and a quarter. December up eight and three quarters at 657 in KC wheat. Over in spring wheat, March up five and a half, seven oh four and a half, July up five and a quarter, seven fifteen and a quarter, and December spring wheat up four and a quarter, seven thirty-five and a half. Oats, March down four and a half, three sixty-five and three quarters. July oats down one, three sixty-three and a half. Canola was down three to four on the session. Over in the cotton market, we see March cotton up 80 points, 85.40. July cotton up 82 points at 87.21. In the livestock trade. Live cattle February up 70, 175.35. April up 52, 178.35. June live cattle up 50, 175.45. January feeder cattle up 82, 231.82. March up 12, 233.77. April feeders up 25, 239.80. And March, or excuse me, May feeder cattle 35 higher, 245.10. And in the hog trade, February up 60, 73.90. April lean hogs 170 higher, 82.02. May hogs up 130, 86.92. And June hogs up 150 at 94.85 on the day Wednesday. Feeder cattle index up 174, 230.21. Lean hog index up 35 at 68.75. Again, crude oil kind of hovered around $75 a barrel on the day Wednesday with stocks relatively quiet. All right, we're out of time here on today's Market Talk. Thank you for joining us. Coming up on tomorrow's program, we'll talk with Brian Doherty, Senior Market Advisor at Total Farm Marketing. We'll also listen into a, a recent dairy conversation I had with Corey Geiger, Lead Dairy Economist at CoBank. All that and more is coming up on the next Market Talk. Have a great rest of your day. I'm Jesse Allen. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow.